Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Oh, that was a beautiful ASMR. I did it. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to the Long Way Shireen Podcast. I'm Aiden, I'm your host for this podcast, and as you can hear by the uh, sounds of Coca-Cola and uh, Lindsay's voice, Lindsay is back! <laughs> Finally, and no, she did not get me that date with Bill Poulter. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, he looks a little busy right now. The, you, I sent you those like pictures of him and like Florence Pugh kind of... In okay, this is for Will Spain. Poulter. She said I looked like Florence Pugh a little bit, so if that's gonna help me in any way, perfect. Well, you kind of gotta get rid of the first Florence Pugh first. No, that's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so it's you know it's a very confusing situation for Lindsay. She loves Will Poulter, but she also loves Florence Pugh. So there's really no in between, is there? <laughs> no, but out of both of them, I love Florence, but Will Poulter, man. Mommy. Anyway. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> I hope you guys are excited for today. I know I am. So, Lindsay, we are learning about Empress Wu. Have you ever heard of her before? No. No, nothing about her? No, but I've heard she's a MILF. Yeah, she is a little bit of a MILF. <laughs> and we'll be talking about why in a second. So, for those of you guys who also don't know anything about Empress Wu, Empress Wu was the only woman ever in, like, thousands of years of Chinese history to rule China independently of a husband. Before and after her, there has never been another woman to rule China. And in this episode, you'll see why another woman never ruled China after her. So I hope you guys are excited, Lindsay. I hope you are excited. I want to learn about the milk. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get into it. Okay, let's get started. So Wu Zetan, as she was known, was likely born maybe on the 17th of February in the year uh, 624, maybe, maybe, in uh, Luzhou, China, to uh, Wu Xiu and his second wife, Lady Yang. Now, she was the second of three daughters, but she was her father's fourth child. He, he had a child before he was married to uh Wu's mom but he was it was it was his first wife it's not scandalous or anything oh, I was gonna say, no 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 he was married before um what a whore <laughs> now about her birthday we have no idea if it's february 17th is her birthday but according to some of the stuff i read it's like some of the best guesses like historians have based on some documents written after Wu had already died uh like they like calculated her possible birthday so february 17th is about as close as we got um if she was born on this day it would make her an aquarius which is awesome because i i don't think i've we've talked about an aquarius woman since like all the way back episode one elizabeth of york i don't think i've had an aquarius woman since <laughs> aquarius is just not that popular of a sign apparently yeah i know not a lot of no, i don't find i know a lot of people born in february I mean, my brother's an Aquarius. Oh, well, but all the other well, fucking February people are Pisces, and I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> no offense to any Pisces. N no offense. 
But if you're shit, then full offense. Mm. Anyway, Aquarius women tend to be outside-the-box thinkers and be motivated by social justice and change. Uh, and they're, they deeply desire to contribute to cultural shift, particularly in issues of poverty, world health, equal rights, and prison reform. The Aquarius woman will show up at protests, sign petitions, activate leadership, organize meetings to educate groups of people, um, unite people. She really, really cares about plates of humanity and basically wants to do everything she can to heal the ward and help make things better. However, <laughs> oh God, some Aquarius women do like empathy towards most people around them, which isn't true for every Aquarius out there, but for Woo, it's probably accurate. Like, she definitely cared about the people, but as for the people around her, she couldn't give two fucks about what everyone else was doing. Honestly, I thought you were gonna say for Woo, it's probably true, and I was like, yes. <laughs> Get some rhymes in here. For, for Woo, you. Woo-hoo? Woo. Woo-hoo? <laughs> okay, let's get into her parents and upbringing. Now, Wu's father was called Wu Shiyu, and he was from central China, where, where he originally dealt in the lumber business, making the Wu family quite rich very, very quickly. Uh, not to mention, probably thanks to Wu's mom, Lady Yang, uh, she was like adjacent royalty. They made quick friends with the new emperor, uh, Gao Zhu of Tang, and over the years, he spent a lot of time in the Wu home and showered them with gifts and titles and favoritism, which would end up serving Wu very well in her future. Oh, to be Wu. Oh, to be Wu. Now, for some historical context, Wu was growing up in the Tang Dynasty in China, which actually would have been a great time to grow up because it was a really golden age for China. It was, it was, a, it was a good century, especially for women. Tang Dynasty women had a lot more authority than previous generations of Chinese women. They participated in politics, rode horses, both sides, not side saddle, by the way, and so, so, so much more. Now, this change in women's status was clearly felt in the Wu household because unlike women of previous generations in Wu's family, Wu's dad, Xi Yu, was very interested in educating his daughter on par with the men around her. She also had a couple of brothers, so it was really important that she be kind of on their level, you know? Oh boy, of course. Mm. So Wu learned about politics, which basically meant her dad would be like, okay, hey, this is our country. This is this is China. <laughs> China. You watching my fingers? China. This is China. And this is how our government works. And this is how our country functions, which would, you know, end up being really helpful to Wu's political career later in life. Um, she also learned about history, writing, music, and a boatload of other stuff to prepare her for Chinese court life and to marry super well. Now, before we move on, I want to talk a bit about Wu's name and why I'm calling her by her last name, if you haven't noticed that, like, her dad's last name is Wu. Wu is not her first name. So, <laughs> Wu had many names throughout her life due to the various titles she was given, like, she changed her name based on a new title that she was given. So we really don't know what her actual first name is. Um, however, her family name was Wu, and it's how she is known as Empress when she eventually gets there. So we're just going to call her Wu so we don't have to change her name every five minutes in this story. Cool? Um, thoughts on a milk crate? Because Aiden's making me sit on a milk crate. Hey! <laughs> That's fine. If she has many names, I feel like I'd get confused about who we're talking about, even though it's like the same person. Mm -hmm. So, Woo is fine. We're gonna, we're gonna keep it simple with Woo. Keep okay. it simple, stupid. <laughs> yeah. AKA Kith. All right. 
Now, when Wu was about 14 years old, she was selected to become a concubine to the emperor thanks to her family's connections. Now, usually on the show, when we talk about concubines and mistresses, in general, concubines are usually viewed as a bad thing. Would you agree? They don't seem like a good thing, but then again, I don't really know a lot about what she did mm-hmm. and everything so well in general usually mistresses and concubines are like viewed as like a bad thing because like it's a relationship outside of marriage but in china being a concubine to the emperor was like a really great thing because it provided you with a connection straight to the emperor his court not to mention if you gave the emperor like a couple of sons maybe one day your son could be emperor too because like there was no like thing about illegitimacy I mean, there were ranks of concubines, like the higher concubine, their son would probably get chosen first to be emperor. But if you you made the right amount of moves, your son could be emperor one day, too. It didn't matter where you came from. Honestly, I'd make sure my son did the right moves. Like, <laughs> yeah. We got a lot riding on this, Chad. You need to do that. <laughs> I don't think there was anyone named Chad I feel in China. Maybe they just kept it same. Maybe he was secretly a Chad, but he's like, I can't do that. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so... Now, when Wu was chosen, she was designated as a fifth-ranked concubine, which wasn't a bad place to be, considering there were nine ranks in total. But at this rank, she was kind of more of a a maid to the emperor than a mistress. Like, all the different ranks of concubines, you could do a lot of things. You could be a concubine to the emperor, but you might never sleep with him if you're, like, on the lowest rung. Basically, if you're higher up, you get to do a lot more things. Yeah, exactly. It's it's great. But no one ever starts out as a first-ranked mistress. So her her starting out as a fifth rank, not too bad. Now, in general, we, we have no idea she and the Emperor actually ever ended up sleeping together while she was his concubine. In general, it seems like they had a good relationship because she actually became somewhat of a secretary to him since he kind of realized how smart she was. Concubine well, just, like, it just seems like another word for, like, a prostitute or something. I, it, it basically is. Like, how many men has he slept Men? How, how many women <laughs> has this man slept with? Chinese emperors could have hundreds of concubines. Apologies? It's been a weird day. (laughs) Anyway, she became sort of a secretary to him once he realized how just how smart she was. And he trusted her with a lot of important governmental stuff and actually actively asked her for her opinions and advice on things that were going on. I love that. Keep that up. (laughs) Ask me about my opinions because I have a lot of them. Mm. Now, Wu served Emperor Gaozu for 11 years until in 649 he died, and he was succeeded by his son Li Ji, who, uh, also, who re- reigned as Emperor Gaozong, which is what we'll call him instead of Li Ji. Um, now, as per tradition, since Wu was a former emperor's concubine and since she had no children with him, she was sent to a nunnery to serve as a Buddhist nun for the rest of her life. And reasonably, this is where her story should end, because normally when concubines were sent to become Buddhist nuns, um, they they den- generally didn't come back. Where did they go? Well, they just stayed at the nunnery. Oh, I was gonna, I don't know why I blanked out for a second. I was like, did they die? No, it wasn't sinister or anything. They they just, you know. Okay, being on these podcasts, all of it turns sinister at one point, so I'm just waiting for it. Now, like I said, this is where her story should end. But it didn't, because she'd made a very important connection before she left with none other than the emperor's son, who was now emperor. <gasps> Scared. Now, it's believed she and the new emperor had a fling when she was concubine to his father 
but he hadn't pursued her because he was technically his dad's property, so he really couldn't do anything about it, even if he was, like, dropped dead in love with her. So when his dad died, he just, you know, made a little trip to the nunnery where Wu was. And he saw her and he fell in love with her, like, all over again. And he decided, I need to fucking spring her from this place. She cannot stay here. So next thing you know, in uh, less than a few months or about a year, she was back in the palace like she had never left. Um, you know, fun thing about Buddhist nuns, they had to shave their heads, so I hope that she didn't have to shave her head before she came back. Like, I hope he saved her from that. Why, why is it with stuff like that, like, you have to shave your head? Is it, like, a religious thing, or is it just, like, a... I think it's a religious thing, but also, like, I mean, lice is a thing, you know? Okay, that was, like, one of my thoughts, but I was like, maybe they just like it better that way. Maybe you can get more stuff done, because if it's, like, really hot somewhere, and you're, like, always touching your head, I was like, mm. just shave your hair off, just get it off. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Now, upgrades, people, upgrades, because <laughs> the minute she got back to the palace, she was serving as a second-rank concubine. She went from fifth rank to second rank, which was a huge step up from where she had been, but it wasn't the top of the ladder, and that was a dangerous place to be in the middle. <laughs> Now, uh, just some quick stuff about the emperor, just to set up who he was. Uh, he was actually a younger son of the former emperor, but he earned his father's favor over the years with, you know, being a good uh, military person. I mean, general, that's stupid. Why did I say military person? <laughs> and uh, when he impressed his father, he was named crown prince, um, even though most people thought he was a little too nice to be emperor. Like, he was a little mm -hmm. soft, a little easy to manipulate. Which, you know, was kind of true. I don't want to... I, I mean, do you really want that in your emperor if you're, like, really easy to manipulate? I mean, like, I kind of like a nice person rather than, like, a tyrant, but, like... Oh, for sure. But, like, if you can just walk all over them, I'd be like, why are you... Yeah, that's emperor? an issue. So, this is the dude Wu is now dealing with, but she has so, so, so much more on her plate. Now, pretty much right off the bat, Wu had two enemies the minute she re-entered this palace. The first enemy that she really had to deal with was Gao Zong's legal wife and empress, Lady Wang, and his main bitch, his first rank concubine, Zhao Shifu. But we'll just call her Zhao. Okay. And while those two women hated each other, they hated Wu more. <laughs> oh, no. And they wanted her to keep her out of power because they knew she was a crafty little bitch. And they were also crafty bitches. So they were trying to keep her, you know, out of the fold because, you know, the Empress was number one. And then you got the Emperor's first rank concubine. She's number two. And then Wu's number three. And you never want to be the bronze medal. <laughs> no. I like mm. silver. Yes. <laughs> now, unfortunately... Or, I guess, fortunately for Wu, but not fortunately for Empress Wang. Bye-bye. Empress Wang couldn't have children, which is really unfortunate because she really loved kids. Like, she really wanted to be a mother. And she would spend a lot of her time playing with, like, the Emperor's children in the palace nursery. And I think she would have been a really great mom. So it's really sad that she was never able to have children. Um, anyway, she couldn't have kids. But she knew that the first rank concubine, Xiao, could. So when Zhao gave the emperor a son, she adopted him as her own so that one day he would be emperor and Zhao would be like in debt for her. Like, I made your son emperor. So like, we're, we're cool, right? Eh. <laughs> uh, but meanwhile, Wu was making her own power moves and the first step was to have some kids of her own. So she bore Gao Zong four boys. 
Li Hong in 652, Li Xian in 653, also another boy named Li Xian in 655. I don't know if they were like, like the first Li Xian died or something because I didn't see anything about that. So I don't know if she just decided to have two sons named Li Xian anyway. And her uh, last song, uh, son, uh, son, Li Dan. In 662. She also had a, a daughter named Taiping in uh, 663. Uh, but as of that point, they weren't a threat to anyone because Gaozong had his heir and he was fine with his uh, first rank concubine's son being his heir. Now, now that she had her boys, it was time to destroy the integrity of the two women Gaozong trusted most and get her sons in power. Now, back in 654, um, in between, um, her, uh, two oldest, no, her two middle children, she had a daughter, um, named C, and at less than a year old, little C died mysterious, mysteriously in the nursery. Now, Wu convinced, was, like, convinced her daughter had been murdered, and blamed it on Empress Wang. Now, Wang had basically no alibi. <laughs> Um, because she was always in the nursery. So it w it was like perfect opportunity for her to murder little princess C. And she was also the last person seen with the princess before she died. But realistically, Wang probably didn't do it. Like I feel I just no. But Wu Wu didn't care whether she did it or not. She wanted to destroy Wang and her daughter's death was a great way to do it. Now, there is a theory out there that Wu was the one who actually strangles her daughter to death in order to blame it on Wang. I believe that's plausible, since getting rid of a daughter was, like, less valuable back then, which is why it makes no sense at all that Wang would kill, like, a princess when she could have killed one of Wu's, like, four, four sons. Yeah, if you had done that, you'd get, like, media coverage. Yeah, no, exactly. Because if she actually wanted to kill kids, you know, she would have gone for the more important boys. But, you know... Shit, for real. Yeah, but I digress. It's possible that Wu killed her daughter or that, like, little C died of, like, poor ventilation in the palace. Or, you know, just, you know, 7th century problems. It was hard being a person in the 7th century. People died all the time. Anyway. Yeah, for real. However poor little Princess C died, Wu used her death to take down Wang. Uh, but not only that, if Wang was going down, Zhao was going down. <laughs> Everybody's going down. Oh, yeah. Now, when Wu accused Wang of murdering her daughter, she also accused Zhao of practicing witchcraft. I mean, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're back to the witchcraft. <laughs> we, we just always come back to the witchcraft. We do. <laughs> She's a witch! <laughs> witch talk has just been around for centuries. Um... Now, not only was Zhao accused of witchcraft, Lady Wang was also accused of witchcraft. So she went for the double whammy, and both women were found guilty on all charges and sentenced to death. Now, according to the stories, they died in a pretty gruesome way because Wu was the one who got to decide how they died. She just, she's just taken out all of her rage, in all honesty. It's, go girl. <laughs> now, are you ready for this? It's kind of gruesome. Now, Wu ordered for both women to have their arms and legs cut off while they were still alive. I know you can't see my face right now, but oh my god. It gets worse. They were, they were placed, after their limbs were cut off, they were placed in two jugs of wine oh. with the top sealed 
so that they were drowned and die slowly. But after they died, they were beheaded. Oh my god! Which, like, wait, did, did, did Wu have that on, like, a, like, did she write that in her dream journal? Like, did she, she, she had a vision board. She had a fucking vision board, and these two bitches were going down on it. Yeah, she was like, hmm, when I finally accuse them of, like, witchcraft or murder, how do I want them to die? Oh, yes, limb removal, drowning in wine, and then beheading. <laughs> I feel like she would love Final Destination. She would have loved Final Destination. Just, I would not get on a plane. Like, if she was there, I'd be like, no, mm. you are just, you're gonna talk to the devil, aren't you? Mm. Now, also, fun fact, before Lady Wang died, she said she wished to be reincarnated as a cat and for Wu to be turned into a mouse so she could kill her. And because of that, a after, like, because, like, Chinese people were super superstitious back yeah. then. Like, when, when someone placed a curse on you, it was, like, a serious thing. Now, after Wu heard that, she refused to have cats in the palace. Because, like, it reasonably freaked her out that Wang said that. Like, any cat? Not even yeah, no, like no, black cat? no cats. No cats whatsoever were allowed in the palace Sorry, while she was there. Um, but in good news for Wu, she has <laughs> now been declared Gao Zong's official empress. They got married and his new wife and it only really goes up from here for our girl Wu. okay so at the start of the year 660 Wu was on top of the motherfucking world and she would continue to be that way for a number of years even though she wasn't the sole ruler of china yet she very much acted like she was she scares me she yeah she should and basically for the rest of gao zong's reign she worked as the power behind the throne basically working as his minister and appointing her family members to the court to help her keep power now and she, that's what she needs more power yes <laughs> she also took over traditions usually done by men such as when she led a handful of women up this uh, mountain called Mount Tai to perform uh, rituals that were normally done by men, but Wu didn't care. She wanted to do it. She knew it was an important tradition. She wanted to be the one to perform it, and so she did. And the men of the court hated for hated her for it. <laughs> but luckily, she was very good at getting rid of her enemies and had people who disliked her, uh, or rise to power, exiled or murdered, because that's how you do that efficiently. <laughs> She also helped organize campaigns against the rival kingdom of Korea, which was so effective, China almost entirely took over Korea. So she was doing some good things militarily that Galzong just, like, you know, wasn't doing. <laughs> Listen, there was a lot of hit or misses. Mm. That last part was a fucking miss. <laughs> but a hit. Now, I bet you're wondering... Why is Gao Zong letting all of this happen? I mean, surely he must have some issue allowing Wu to have this much power. Mm-hmm. Well, yes and no. I mean, Gao Zong in history is often remembered as being a, a weak emperor who let Wu do any anything she wanted, which I don't think is, like, a fair assessment of him. I mean, if you don't understand certain things about government, let someone who actually understands do it, but, like, whatever. Like, he was a bit of a weakling who let his wife do everything, but to be fair, it's a little misogynistic that people kind of view their relationship that way. <laughs> Honestly, we are trying to get away from the misogyny. Mm, yeah. Now, around the same time Wu first came to power, Gao Zong had a stroke a couple of years into their to their marriage, which, which is weird because he was only in his mid-30s. So it's kind of weird that he had a stroke. Anyway, 
In good news, he survived. In bad news, he was basically disabled for the rest of his life. And because of that, Wu used his disability in order to keep herself and her children on top for about the next 20 years or so. Miss girl, you don't do that. She's Which, not a MILF anymore. What, she's mean. <laughs> she's a mean she's a very mean MILF. She's a MILF. Um a what? A MILF. Um a MILF? A mean MILF. A MILF. Oh a me oh <laughs> <laughs> Now I think that's probably one of the reasons people view Gao Zong so like negatively. Like he literally couldn't do anything. Like he had trouble like walking by himself, eating by himself, speaking. So The amount of advantage she took. Yeah, I know she got really lucky with that stroke. <laughs> Sorry to the dude who had it. Yeah, sorry, Gaozong. Rip Gaozong. Now, speaking of Rip Gaozong, um, in 683, Gaozong died. R.I.P. And Wu was now Empress Dowager, and one of her sons was about to be the next emperor. Is this where she's getting all of her names from? Like, from all of the power kings? Just, just wait. Now, unfortunately, a few years back, her oldest son, her favorite son, unfortunately, had died. So, her, uh third boy, or her second boy, I don't know, it's one of the Li Zans, uh, took throne as Emperor Zongzong. <laughs> now, at first, Wu was cool with still being the power behind the throne as her son ruled, but very, very quickly, Wu was not sitting pretty, sitting as pretty as she would have liked. Now, Wu had a daughter-in-law who was married to her son, the emperor. Her name was Lady Wei. She was very ambitious. And super pushy. Almost as pushy as Wu had been when she was younger. And Wu was not down with some other bitch trying to take some power away from her over her oldest son. And Wei would just not stop being exactly like Wu had been when she was young. Wu just doesn't like how she's getting her own medicine. Yeah, she's like, excuse me! I'm the only Wu in this joint. (laughs) (laughs) So, in less than a month... Wu did what she did best and had her son quietly deposed. Her daughter-in-law and her daughter-in-law's father were exiled. Of course. Um, along with her son. Like, she didn't kill her son because she'd never do that. She loved her children. Um, so she just, like, sent him away quietly. And she put her third son, well, her last son, Li Dan, on the throne as Emperor Ryuzong. Now, Wu took a pretty much different approach with this son by basically putting him on, like, semi-house arrest in the palace. Uh, But even though this kid was, like, locked up, he was about as useless as the last kid. And since she had done all the work just to keep her sons on the throne, like, they weren't doing anything. She was sick of doing all the work and getting no rewards. So once again, she had this son abdicate, and she proclaimed herself Empress Wu Zetan. He was like, fine, I'll do it myself. Definition of a girl boss. Literally. Now, obviously, the idea of a woman being the sole ruler was a pretty uh, controversial idea, and Wu knew that. She she wasn't under any impression that this was going to be easy. So she went to work making sure to set up her policies and building a court that would never betray her. Wu utilized her secret police in order to weed out the disloyal and had several political enemies killed and replaced with people who actually, you know, liked her. Uh, she also changed the dynasty name from Tang to Zhao because uh, usually when new dynasties came in, it was a tradition to reset history. So dynasty names get changed every once in a while. Now each dynasty was considered a new beginning, and when Wu changed the name from Tang to Zhao, she was following this tradition, but 
She went even further to make it clear that this was the beginning of an entirely new era. She called her reign uh, Tianzao, which basically means granted by heaven. So she was really trying to make it clear that, like, this is her thing, you know? <laughs> this is my thing. Back off. <laughs> I say that a lot about things. <laughs> with the kids now i have to <laughs> mm. now to ensure the security of her new reign she had pretty much any members of her uh, husband's family imprisoned including the future emperor Zhuanzhong, and she proclaimed herself an incarnation of the buddha uh sometimes calling herself uh shengensen which means holy spirit in chinese now, uh, not only was she concerned with resetting history, but she also wanted to make some positive changes in the country and, you know, rule better than her predecessors had. Like, she actually did give a shit. <laughs> so, she made some reforms and policy changes. She created new characters for the Chinese writing system, which are today known as the Chinese characters of Empress Wu, or the Zetan characters. These characters were supposed to replace between 10 and 30 of the older characters and were Wu's attempts to not only change how her people thought, but how they wrote. Oh, of course. She also basically had the ancient Chinese equivalent of like a like a suggestion box. <laughs> so like common people could like slip in like complaints like like my husband beats me. Can we like make some laws oh my that, so God. that he can't do that or like I'd the, be afraid to read it. Or like the taxes are too high. Can we like do something about that? No, she, that I'm on board with. She basically wanted a direct line to her people so that they could tell her what they wanted and she could, you know, do something about it. Yeah, like help out as best as she can, not just Especially because China is a gigantic country and she can't be, you know, everywhere at once. She also improved the public education system by hiring dedicated teachers and reorganizing the bureaucracy and teaching methods. She also reformed the Department of Agriculture and Taxation System by rewarding officials who produce the greatest amount of crops and tax their people the least. She also ordered farming manuals to be written and distributed so that, you know, people who didn't know how to farm could learn how to start a farm and make more food and money for China. She also organized teams to survey the land, build irrigation ditches to help grow crops, and redistributed the land so that everyone had an equal share to farm. Um, she also did some agricultural production, which actually, as far as I know, agricultural production was like at a huge high during her time period as Empress. We also reformed the military by mandating uh, military exams so that the commanders could actually, you know, show how competent they were instead of being appointed because, hey, my dad was this general, so you have to give me a position. Based on my <laughs> father hears about this. Yeah, no, literally half of the half of the Chinese military was full of a bunch of Draco Malfoys being like, yeah, my dad was this general, so like I should be this general, even though I don't know fucking shit about the military. Yeah. Now, the military exams were intended to measure intelligence, decision-making, and candidates were personally interviewed instead of just being appointed because my daddy was this guy. <laughs> my daddy could kick your daddy's ass. <laughs> she was also able to reopen the Silk Road, which had been uh, closed for a couple of years because of the plague of 682. And also, you know, raids by nomads like the Mongols, who like haven't like fully Mongoled yet. Like they haven't gotten Genghis Khan. That's like not for another couple of centuries. But they, they were still a pain in the ass back in the- Oh, they seem like it. Back in the seventh century. <laughs> And reopening the Silk Road, 
increase Chinese trade. They could send silk, spices, whatever they had to Europe, and Europe would be like, cool. Europe would be thriving. Give Europe, me them spices. Europe would be thriving. They'd be like, thanks for the silk, bro. Here's a whole bunch of gold, bro. <laughs> Uh, she was also impressive militarily uh, when she continued her war with Korea and made sound military decisions, making her army be like, you're cool, G. <laughs> well, you're cool, G. <laughs> I'd I say that. No, her army was like, I love you, man. I love you so much. You're good, G. <laughs> now, all in all, why, while Wu doesn't necessarily get the best reputation in history due to sexism and the fact that, you know, she definitely did bad stuff. I'm not saying she didn't. But a lot of the hate she doesn't really entirely deserve. Now, even historians at the time who hated her fucking guts admitted she made pos positive changes while she was empress. You know you're doing good when even your enemies are like, I listen. <laughs> She's not the one as bad as I thought. <laughs> no. She really did do a lot of good, but she did make a few mistakes along the way. Mainly alienating her own family and getting a little lazy at the end. Okay, so as Wu started to get into her 70s, her grip on power started, you know, slipping a little bit. She was getting a little too paranoid about rebellions and spending maybe a bit too much time sleeping around. Now, this is where the MILF part comes. Oh, she's making herself a MILF. Yeah, now, she was sleeping specifically with her two favorite boy toys. Now, for a couple years at this point, Wu had been sleeping with a pair of brothers. <laughs> named the Zhang brothers, who she really liked because they were young and sexy. They were, like, in their 20s, and she was getting it in her 70s. <laughs> oh, my God. I aspire to be here when I'm 70. Mm. But, oh, boy, was this relationship scandalous because she was 70 and they were, like, 20, which is, like, a stupid double standard because old-ass Chinese emperors had, like, hundreds of, like, 20-year-old concubines all the time. But I Take back what I said about wanting to be with her. <laughs> but no, like be her. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm good. I'm fine. But, you know, suddenly when it was a lady, everyone was like, ew, that's gross. <laughs> throwing her, just throwing around a whole bunch of insults, like, you nasty. You mm -hmm. a cougar. So I'm going to applaud her for this, actually, because fuck double standards. If she wants to be a 7-year-old fucking, like, two really hot 20-year-old you know, go ahead. Um, as long as they're consenting and they're fine, go with yeah. it, bestie. But there was one problem with the Zhang brothers. Of course. These two boys were dumb as fucking Brillo pads. Uh, I've met Fred smarter than you. Literally. But Wu liked them, which which caused her to become, like, lazy. Like, she spent too much time with them. And she wasn't as attentive to China as she had been. Just, lady, just tell us how big are their dicks. Probably big. Like, niners? Just nine inches? I gotta know, because why would you do that? Just for also, two Brillo pads. <laughs> for two Brillo pads. Also, she was going a little... After she was starting to suspect that her court wasn't as loyal as she wanted them to be. And she started, like, banishing and executing people more than more than she used to like it wasn't as strategic like she used to have like you know get rid of people who like you know people wouldn't really miss that much but she started getting rid of her good advisors because she was worried that you know they were gonna overthrow her or something like that Ma'am. and her advisors were getting seriously sick of her behavior like they had supported her originally but they were like fucking shit she is going batshit crazy 
Now, they thought it might be a good idea to make her abdicate and bring back her oldest son as emperor. So they called up, you know, Shang Zhong. He's been in exile <laughs> for a little bit. And they're like, hey, dude, you want to overthrow your mom and be emperor again? And Zhang Zhang, who had been exiled for like like a decade or something, he was like, fuck yeah, I'm in. Fuck yeah, dude. Just a regular Saturday night with the boys. Mm -hmm, yeah, overthrowing your mom, the Empress <laughs> of China, what's up? Now, in the year 704, Wu's advisors had the Zhang brothers murdered. Horrifically. And Wu was made to abdicate to her son, Zhang Zhang, which, by the way, she did with no fuss. She was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> After all, at this point, she was in really bad health. She was in her 80s. So she let her son take over. And very coincidentally, the next year in 705, Wu died peacefully in the Imperial Palace. Oh, no! And she was buried next to her husband. She's probably got some stories for him. Like, you mm. will not believe She was like, you I will not believe what I overthrew both of our sons. <laughs> you will not believe what, what and who I did when you were dead. <laughs> Sit down. Get your popcorn ready. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, after Wu died, the Tang Dynasty was reestablished, and things sort of went on as they had before. Wu's son, uh, Zhang Zhang, reigned again, but only in name. Real power was he held by his wife, Lady Wei, who came back, by the way. She used her mother-in-law as a role model to manipulate Zhang Zhang because he was exactly like his dad. <laughs> now, at the same time, another political faction formed around Wu's other son, uh, Ryu Zhang, who was supported by Wu's uh, youngest child, her daughter, Taipeng. Um, in 710, Zhang Zhang died after being poisoned by his wife. At, at least, at least Wu didn't poison her husband. <laughs> yeah, at least she didn't do that. She just, uh, you know, ripped their arms off. Drama, beautiful. That's neither here nor But it gets even better. So when Zhang Zhang died, Wei hid his body to, like, so people wouldn't know he died to make sure that her son, uh, Chong Mao, could be made emperor. But uh, she didn't get that far because Wu's daughter Taipeng basically put an end to her sister-in-law's plans uh, and had Wei and her family murdered and put her older brother Ryu Zhang on the throne. So, like, Taipeng just got, like, all her mother's genes of, like, murder. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, two years later, in 712, Ryu Zhang abdicated because one night he was staring at the sky and he saw a comet. And following a suggestion by his sister, Taipeng, he took it as a sign that his rule was over. So he designated his son, uh, Li Longji, to succeed him. Um, and he ruled as Zhuanzhong, which is like, you know how I mentioned Zhuanzhong earlier? Mm -hmm. And how he was in prison? That means Wu imprisoned her own grandson. <laughs> That's just what I think about this entire thing. Yeah, I know. Like, like I said, she spent a lot of time alienating her family. Oh, yeah, just a tad. <laughs> like, throwing everybody, killing everybody. Now, when Wu's grandson got on the throne, Wu's daughter Taipeng was basically her nephew's, like, guardian. She was his, like, number one fucking cheerleader. And had been his number one fucking cheerleader from the minute Wu sent her grandson to jail, essentially. And she really supported him in his efforts to take the throne, because I don't think she had any children. So, like, her nephew was basically, like, her child. 
Um, now, Princess Taiping, like Lady Wei, uh, paid careful attention to the reign of her mother, and even though her and her mother hadn't had the best relationship, she realized that her mother's ruling style, you know, kind of worked. Uh, so she used it to kind of, like, be the power behind her nephew's throne, as her mother had her father and her brothers before them. And when she realized she was not going to be able to control the court as her mother did, um, she killed herself. <laughs> she, she committed suicide. Okay. This is just, like, a roller coaster of shit. Oh, yeah. Only, you know, it never, never goes down. Now, when Taiping killed herself and, uh, uh, Zhang uh, was like, you know, really doing good. He decreed that no member of the Wu family would be allowed to hold public office because of their ruthless scheming and underhanded politics. So he like literally banned the matrilineal side of his family from ever holding office. This would be like a fun drinking game. Like just take a shot every time somebody's banned or banished or for doing something. <laughs> but just take a shot. Even though he wouldn't let any of his matrilineal family members be in office, he still, he, he capitalized on all the good his grandmother had done for China. And he kept to reforms like the taxation, agriculture, and education. And under Wu's grandson, China became one of the most affluent countries in the world at that time. So he, he did a good job. He ruled for, um, let me see. He ruled from 712 to 756, so like that's like a 40-year reign. So he did he did good. That's a pretty good reign. Yeah, no, I I feel like I gotta I gotta put a lot of that on Luke. She set him up for success and also like that's her grandson. Like he definitely probably has a lot of her traits, even if he didn't want to admit it. <laughs> no, he'd probably like keep that hidden. Like, it's like fuck you, grandma. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> All right. Let's get on to legacy. Now, Wu has a pretty big legacy in Chinese history. Now, even though she's mainly remembered for all the murder and politics and shit that she did, yeah. I think she really needs to be remembered for her incredible reforms and time as a ruler. I can guarantee you that if she was a dude, she would be considered one of China's most extraordinary rulers and would have never been scrubbed from the history books the way she was in the end by her family and historians. Do you think so? Honestly, being on a lot of these episodes and listening to a lot of them, I think that's exactly what I like what would have happened yeah you, like you, if he if she was like a dude he'd be seen as like oh my god like he's like so like awesome. what a great ruler like what a great ruler like just doing all this but like since she is a woman it's mm -hmm. like this bitch was psychotic yeah <laughs> and thank you guys so much for joining me and Lindsay on this me. week's episode <laughs> i will give anybody five bucks who gives me a date with phil poulter you think any of them out there can do that well, Poulter, if you're <laughs> listening yourself, I kind of look like Florence Pugh. So. <laughs> I will see you guys in two weeks with a brand new episode. Goodbye. Right? I hope you like this one because I want to come back on August 10th or at least be on that episode if it airs then. That way it would be a year since the last episode I was on besides this one, of course. But mm -hmm. the year since I came back from that. <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMaceyRain2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you 
you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.